Welcome to the Kinky Koala Club. No animals were harmed in the making of this podcast. We have to clarify that because we do not want the vegans to come after us, but vegans are nice. Let's not down talk them. I'm a vegetarian myself. So since we're, since we're speaking foreign speak right now, um, okay, no, there are a lot of uh, vegans in America as well. <laughs> Go to California. Yeah, true, true. Um, let's dive into something uh, only we know, Eurovision. Oh my God. I have to, like, when I meet a comrade, I have to speak about Eurovision. And my first question to you, Veronica, even back then when we, when we were, like, in our early... Um, Stage of friendship, yes. <laughs> yeah, um, was which, um, what is your favorite Eurovision song? Okay, so I'm going to go definitely with uh, Dima Bila, Never Let You Go. Just because I remember perfectly when it happened, I was still in uh, middle school, I think, or was it primary school? I don't remember, but it was, yes, it was such a big thing. And I remember with my circle of friends, we were outside and we were singing it. But of course, we couldn't pronounce the English properly. (laughs) It was just, you know, like kind of like hearing by the ear and trying to sing it. Yeah, it was very fun. What about yours? Oh, wait, wait, let me let me talk about Dima first. Okay, because okay. he deserves to get talked about. Dima Vilan, to those of you who don't know him, shame on you, is a Russian megastar. He won the Eurovision Song Contest, which is our Super Bowl. Like, <laughs> he is the European Tom Brady, not really. Yes, and a heartthrob, like, <laughs> Google him. He is... <laughs> He is so handsome. He is he he sings so well, and he's from Russia, and he's a mega star. And he went to Eurovision twice, and both of his times there were super successful. Yes, and he's and also a coach on The Voice in Russia. Is he? I yes. didn't know that. Yes, I didn't know that. But like, yeah, so. Dima Bilan is certainly one of my faves, even though I hated him back when he first, like, because that year was so tough. Um, not not the Athens year with, with Never Let You Go, but when he 2008. Won. Yeah, that was such a tough year. Like, I loved every single song. But when it happened, when the contest happened, I was just in love with Greece. I wanted Greece to win. But I believe he had yeah. better hair than uh, when he did the Never Let You Go because he had the, the really old hairstyle that was back then. It was horrible. Like if you lo- look at the video. Uh, the, oh, yes. But the, the longer know. hair at the back. Yes. Wait, what's the, what is it called? It's like the Southern in America. The, I the, have no idea. The, the Mohawk. No, okay, I don't the, think it's the, the Mohawk. The thousand version. Some, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's definitely something, yeah, it's something you don't want to see. It's something. It's something that came back in fashion. Was it last year? I think so. Like some people were wearing the longer hair in the back again, and it. it yeah. For me, yeah. it looks very old-fashioned. It reminds me of those years. Maybe, maybe I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So to answer your earlier question, uh, speaking of hair. Um, uh, that connects with my favorite Eurovision song, con- uh, like song, and my favorite Eurovision song also has a very iconic hair um, 
style, and that's Eleni Ferreira and Fuego. And that's basically the hierography. Like she was the J-Lo, the Beyonce, the Shakira of Europe. Oh my God. Um, that year. I, I watched her performance and literally she, she has the, the best body I've ever seen. <laughs> yes. Gosh, like her legs so go sweet. for miles. <laughs> yeah, she is super like, she's beautiful. She's kind. And she she was like, I love her. She has a very like my mom and I. We went to Portugal to see the Eurovision Song Contest Ooh, nice. that year. We saw Eleni Ferreira live, and it was just magical. So that is my favorite. The song Eurovision is really song. good for live performance. Yes, that is actually yeah. It is a live performance song. It's not a song on its own, but like once you have the image of her performing it and yeah. you're feeling yourself, it's crazy. You mentioned Portugal. I remember the, the song that won for Portugal. That's not a song to like for live performance. It's a very slow, yeah. kind of like ballady type of Yeah. Not my favorite. Very, very slow. He is he is very like contradicting in the Eurovision community. But um let's 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 um move on go into our main theme of the Kinky Koala Club. This is Veronica Lancet, and I am Arabella Black, and we're both romance authors, and uh, we're here to entertain you for an hour or so. <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we'll see how long this will go. How are you today? What's going through your mind? Good. Nothing much. It uh, snowed a little bit. And that was surprising because it's been quite warm for the last few days. It's the same over here. But for us, we, it was just a bit colder. It didn't snow just yet. But actually, it was very cold when we first met. Do you mind if we share the story of how... No, no, go ahead. <laughs> like, so Veronica Lancet and I, like, we're both romance authors, dark romance authors. And um, it's actually pretty strange, like... I was, I'm a blogger, so in my, like, my side job is being <laughs> a blogger. And Veronica, one day, she sent me an email, and she, like, she wanted to give me her arc so that I could review it. I, honestly, I get, I get a lot of, like, arc requests, which is normal for a book blogger. And I was like, okay, I read, I read your blurb. And I read, okay, there's a bad bitch at the head of this. Okay, I'm down. Sign me up. So, and I also asked you to read my book. Yes, and, we, we um, love bad bitches. That should be kind of like the first thing to say. Yes, we love bad bitches. And um, we basically read each other's book. And I don't know, at first we weren't like that close. Like we didn't really talk to each other that much. But I guess like over December or something, we just started talking more. So yeah, we we ever since we have been we have been like chatting a lot, and we've become some sort of like our own syndicate. Yes, definitely. <laughs> like you are my partner in crime, and I'm your partner in crime. <laughs> and um, yeah, so tell me, like, when did you start writing? Like, how did you get into this whole thing? Oh my god, I don't even know where, where to start because so if I were to talk just about this year, it would be 
probably when I when I wrote Morally Corrupt. Just because uh, before that, I was writing a, a paranormal series and it's mm-hmm. in third person. So this was an entirely new thing for me. And also because I think this was the year that I discovered dark romance. And I usually only read historical romance and uh, paranormal stuff. So that's all in third person. And then there's contemporary romance and dark romance, mostly written in first person. So that was a bit weird for me. But I, I, I don't know. I just got the idea and I started writing. And I realized that it should be in first person because you need to get an, uh, inside the head of a sociopath. <laughs> what would why would you ever write romance from third person because i have i have read quite a few that are good but it's 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 a thing in the indie community in the indie fan community to expect that there are always two povs and that it yes. is always like first person like would you ever consider doing something different so definitely i because i'm thinking of doing a paranormal series as well and maybe kind of connected with historical romance as well and that's definitely going to be in third person but for dark romance i'm keeping it first person only Mm. i would suggest do you know style of phantom no i don't think so um her series degradation or the series is called the jameson kane series i feel that is like whenever somebody says oh third person is not like is not romance like i suggest you read that book and when you finish it (laughs) come to me and report back to me what you thought (laughs) okay i don't i don't mind third person actually i I really don't mind third person in romance and i love it in historical romance probably because of the detail but i do feel like uh so I don't know if this is going to come across uh, like bad or not, but I do feel like there's a certain uh, detail that goes into writing in third person. It's definitely harder than writing in first person and not everyone Mm -hmm. can do it. I actually haven't ever, I'm not sure if my book, because I wrote, I also wrote a paranormal, but that was like 10 years ago. And um, I'm not sure if I wrote in first person or third person because everything after that has been first person. But I don't recall. But I definitely feel you. It's it's a different like the narrator stuff is is, is insane. That's why I feel like in historical romance it works so well. But then again, historical romance. Ah, uh, I'm talking about like let's say uh, Julia Quinn and and uh, offers like that it works so well because of the detail and kind of like the uh, how should i say uh, the language that is being used is not just basic language the style yes and that's the main difference you are the historical romance expert i feel like a lot of authors a lot of like people that i know like historical i love historical i don't really like i'm outside of that realm like i'm like hovering into the i'm hovering at the basic stuff (laughs) i'm not like a a big historical roman i would probably like to get into it one day like i read my old body sweepers like those are a good start i feel like (laughs) i will i will add it to my endless tbr list yeah like the 80s and 90s they're very non-pc books but it's they're good because it's not it's not pc you already talked about 
did you say psychopaths or sociopaths? Sociopath, because you had yeah. a nice, you said it's not easy to write a sociopath from the third perspective. Is that yeah. what you said? Yeah. Yeah. Can you elaborate how you come across that thought? And maybe, maybe tell us a little bit about um, your background in that area. Okay, uh, yeah, sure. So for this one, at least, uh, I, I was doing a lot of research into sociopaths. And even on Reddit, there are a lot of ask me any questions with sociopaths. So those are really great resources for that. But my, my background is in uh, evolutionary biology and forensics. So I do study crime and I do study kind of like criminal behavior in a way. So it was right up my alley when I was thinking about like, sociopath and crime this means that you, we can expect some real stuff when we're reading your books and I, i actually get that feeling when i'm reading your books there is there is a sense of realism to it that i'm i don't really get in a lot of dark romance novels anymore one one thing that i wanted to kind of like keep it real so to say uh when uh i'm doing a lot of the torture scenes or the more gory stuff i'm trying to keep it uh, as scientifically possible uh because i i i i don't know i think there's a lot of stuff out there that just like boggles your mind and you think how is that even possible is it possible biologically to do something like that mm-hmm so even though Or, it's a bit extreme, I'm trying to picture it from a biological point of view. You manage it pretty well. I'm not an expert, but I would say that I definitely feel disgusted sometimes. <laughs> well, <laughs> I th and that's I'm glad. I'm glad. That's, that's the entire purpose. <laughs> and that's and that's the exact exactly exact thing that you want to achieve. Yeah, especially um, for morally blasphemous. Uh, there was that part at the convent. And that was disgusting even for me to write, <laughs> to be honest. So we know you study you study your criminology stuff, your forensic forensic biology, right? Yes, yes. I did that for you undergrad know? and for my master's I did crime and forensic science. So a bit more on the uh, crime theory, crime science theory. That's great. I love it. And where like like Aside from your studies, where do you get your inspiration from? Probably for, from anything. Uh, I watch a lot of shows. Like, I'm, I'm the biggest consumer out there. Like I told you in the interview that we did a while <laughs> back, I'm the biggest consumer when it comes to shows, any type of media, actually. Reading, I read anything I get my hands on. I watch all types of shows in any language. Like, I, I don't really care about the language that the show is. And as long as there's some subtitles in a language I can understand. I actually feel the same way, but only with books because movies and, and series I've been, I've been ever since November when I released my first book, I've just been in a like constant, oh my God, I have to read this. I have to read that. I have to write this. I have to write that. Okay. And also I'm, I'm still in university. Like you just graduated, right? Yep. Or you're about to graduate. So you're at the end of your studies and I'm still 
<laughs> I just started my studies, my my um, post grad, and I'm so like overwhelmed with everything that I'm neglecting Netflix. Like Netflix misses me; it wants me back, but it can't have me right now. See, for me, it's the reverse in a way. I can watch shows when I'm super stressed, but I can't read. For me, it's the like I I, I mean, right now I can't read either. Like in December, I I still read a book every day, like I did for the entire for the entirety of twenty twenty. But now, ever since January, when I edited my thick book Wanted, I've been, <laughs> I've been in a limbo. Like I I asked Nilla K, please send me your book over. Like I I need a book to get me out of my book slump. But I also have your book to read, so you might oh, also yeah. get me out of it. <laughs> and also, actually, did I read Morally Blasphemous in December? I think I read it in December. Yeah. Because I because in in because I already had the arc, so I think I read it early, and then January every like I haven't read a lot of books this year, and I have I have a big ass goal, but I'm probably not gonna reach it. <laughs> like, Actually, for me, I have I have this rule: whenever I'm writing, I'm not reading absolutely anything, because oh. you, you know there's that thing un unconsciously plagiarizing things. Uh, mm -hmm. Like you read something and then you forget about it, but then an idea comes to your mind and you think it's original, but it's actually because you read it somewhere and you don't remember why you read it. So I, I try to avoid reading anything while uh, I'm writing and I only read in between breaks. The thing is, I understand that and I see how people would feel that way. If I don't like, I feel it right now. I I'm not reading. I'm not really writing anything. I'm just like, like I was studying this month, so I couldn't really do either. You had a lot on your plate. Yeah, and I I couldn't like, because I wasn't reading. I couldn't write, and it's not because me, but that's only because of me, like. Because Katanja, like my my Katanja, Katanja, <laughs> as you told me to like. Do the original, not not the Americanized version. Um, Katandia is a very like unique universe, and I, that gives me the freedom to like. I mean, obviously, your your universe is also very unique, but for me, I I am able to differentiate. I was able to differentiate in in 2020. Right now, because I'm not reading anything, I don't feel motivated. Like for oh. me, it's the I need to read something great to push me to write something great. I'm not sure if I'm right if what I'm writing is great, but um I feel more confident. Like I feel like I have to do this. If this person can write this well, I can do it too. You know, that that's my like motivator. And um I feel like I'm currently missing that right now. So I'm currently in a like limbo state. But um yeah, like for me I need like my inspiration comes from Yes, I will have some inspirations from other books, but like, <laughs> you can't compare what I like have from <laughs> other novels and like to what other people have from other novels. Like, there are novels out there that are basically the same plot, the same sort of types of characters in the same high school setting or in the same college setting. Yeah. Very true. That that do the same freaking things and people. And it's very different. 
yeah and people consume it like it's original and it's worth five stars uh it's crazy but it's it's a like a lot of authors say that though what you said that they don't want to read anything else while they're writing but for me it's the exact opposite if i'm not reading if i'm not like consuming something great i don't feel inspired but like you said that there are so many uh books out there with the same plots and the same settings and everything and i think partly is also because of uh Kindle Unlimited and the fact that it provides you with so many books that offers just feel the need to pump out content on a like monthly basis to fulfill the kind of like ravenous aspect of readers I do agree with what you say about Kindle Unlimited because the the options are endless. Like I'm telling you, I've been on Kindle Unlimited for like 10 months now like as a subscriber and I have the the same row of nine books reserved in my Kindle Unlimited library because just in case I really want to read Credence again. I still have it on my Kindle Unlimited. <laughs> Oh yeah. There's just so many options. There there are a lot of options, but um you also have like an interesting take on um reviews. What is your like how do you feel about the deadly or sometimes very fulfilling reviews that uh, we get? <laughs> To be honest, I'm fine with reviews as long as they're uh, not just stars and they add a few words too. Like it doesn't matter if it's one star, just like say what you didn't like. And the mm -hmm. same goes for five stars to say what you like. Because as offers, we kind of like need that feedback to know where we're going wrong and when we're going right. Because yeah, uh, to some extent, it's the offer's prerogative to go a certain way. But at the same time, there are some mistakes that are general. And it does us good to know what we're doing wrong, if we're doing something wrong. I feel the same way. I, in the first month or two that I was like out there, uh, I was getting, I mean, I'm still very like, this is, or we, we both released around the same time, right? In November. Yep. So how, how long have we been in it? I'm bad at math. Five months. <laughs> Almost half a year already. This is oh, wow. crazy. True. This is crazy. Um, but yeah, like at first I was, I even had people that I considered friends give me two or three stars. And honestly, I didn't mind. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, if that's your prerogative. And that's a huge thing in the industry where people are just scared to give each other honest feedback because some of the time, not all the time, but some of the time, maybe that feedback is really hateful. Maybe they're just jealous of you or whatever. But like so far what I've experienced is very like, okay, they didn't like it. That's normal. Like the hate, the real hate that I've gotten is from like, random one star people that don't leave any words that explain why they gave me such a bad rating but even even that i mean i'm trying to think as a blogger if i have ever given i think sometimes also you have to like consider like you said kindle unlimited that gives you so many options in december i read like 30 books by jessa kane 
I have I reviewed some five stars, some I gave four stars, and some I really hated, and I gave one star, and I didn't necessarily write a review. And I yeah, exactly wrong. when you when you're consuming so much uh, media, it's hard to just stop for a moment to write a review for every single book you you, you read. It's like uh, even even for myself when when I read. Because uh, I read very fast. I like I, I uh, last year I I read about like eight hundred books or something like that. So I read very fast. So from that point of view, it's really hard to write a review for every single book out there. The bad reviews that we get on our books, um, and generally like they mention heroines and. Uh, Contra, like, I know we don't always agree with our bad reviewers, but we like to think that we have uh, very badass heroines. And I wanted to get your um, opinion on this because I know you're a fellow bad bitch lover. And um, so tell me a little bit because t- talk to me about this a little bit. What's a bad bitch for you? Uh, definitely. I, I actually could start with the fact that so Morally Corrupt is my debut novel. And of course, it features a bad bitch because she's a sociopath assassin. But the thing is, when I was looking to publish it, a lot of the people that were already out with books and kind of knew the market were telling me that I shouldn't do that with my first book just because uh, very strong women in romance uh, are not seen as well as very strong men right so that is very 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 controversial yes we need to discuss this a lot of people that. told me that i should probably go with the more traditional kind of like the man is the stronger one the woman is the weaker one because it wouldn't be as well received but i still want to hang with it and uh, i did try a more mellow heroine for my second book but for my third book I went again to a bad bitch. So I, I think I'm just going to stick with the bad bitches. But what makes a bad bitch for me? Hmm. Interesting. Because uh, so given that the world I'm writing in is with morally questionable characters, uh, you always find people that are not walking the right path. So that means that most of the time so you're going to find killers or people that do bad stuff. So uh, besides the fact that my heroines will often end up committing some bad things, there's also not taking shit and not being a doormat. I think that's one of the things that I hate the most when reading romance, that uh, women are so often portrayed as doormats. And not only doormats, but they, uh, I feel like, especially in dark romance, since we're both dark romance authors, women usually don't have a lot of agency when it comes to a lot of things. Just because the male has to be an alpha male, he has to be in control of everything. So for me, at least as a reader, when I read dark romance, I see women as just being there as an object for the male. And I don't like that. And you know what I did with Katanja? Did you catch the drift when I kept calling, like, I made them be married, and when they're married, they're objects. Oh, yes. That's exactly what I was trying to ridicule. That was my sarcastic, like, comment on society and, like, the book culture. That, you know, what you just said, that you're, like, objectifying and, like, they're just, like, 
the they're the owned girl, the owned heroine and shit. So I, I definitely felt that I feel what you said. And honestly, there are a lot of people who will tell you, but I read strong heroines. Like what are you talking about? I think about? we have different <laughs> definitions of a strong heroine. <laughs> and totally like um... a lot of people say sassy feisty stuff like that but when i read them it's usually women that talk back for a moment and then succumb to the charms yeah. of the hero so i'm like yeah. where is that yeah. strong that's just being hypocritical yeah yeah and bianca bianca is like literally what the man would be in that story but like the female <laughs> version and i love that about her We've we've had this, um, I don't know, like you've been tagged on it, but I have this one reader who um, really hates one of my characters <laughs> that I really loved writing. Like this girl, she came to me last um, September. I mean, she's been with me for three years or four years ever since I started the Wraith Royals Katanja, Katandia universe. <laughs> And it's I'm talking about Valentina Cross. Uh, if you haven't read my books, she is um, the wife of one of the princes of Katandia, Katanja. <laughs> she, oh my God, not Camila. It's sorry, Camila. I love you, but I'm talking about Valentina. Valentina is one of my favorites um, to write. She, I just, it was the first time. I actually really cried. I felt tears before while writing, but I really cried while writing Valentina Cross. And she's why she's a bad bitch mom. She 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 says stuff like I bal like some people balance sweet and classy or something like that. And I balance slutty and mommy. Like <laughs> she is she is she's so very Oh, she is intense and I love her so much but my reader like this reader and I talked to this person and it is all love it's all love you know it's nothing bad and she just hates her but I really <laughs> love writing her so yeah I, I think I think at some point we need to differentiate the characters that we write and how uh, readers interpret them because it's going to be totally different since we're connected to them in a different way like we spend think about this we spend so much time writing them so we spend time in their heads like months right a reader spends a couple of hours or like let's say a day Mm -hmm. it's different yeah. types of commitment and kind of it deepens the connection for us because we spend so much time with them But also, I mean, you know, I've spent a lot of time with my other characters, too. But Valentina is special. Oh, no, I, I totally get that. Because uh, uh, the book that I just finished, The uh, Morally Decadent, that's, like, my favorite so far. Like, the, the female lead it was my favorite to write. And, again, just like you, I, I shed tears for the first time. Because uh, there were a couple of emotional scenes in in the book and yeah i'm still in a book hangover like writer's version of a book hangover i felt that way in in december when i like i had finished uh, obsessed in early december late november and i i had to write the end of wanted like the last 30k words and i couldn't get to it i had i had a timeline i had everything structured it was all there 
but I couldn't get to it because I was still in a hangover like you from from obsessed and obsessed came out now comes out now or it just came out and wanted came out a month before <laughs> like I was on a time schedule like my time schedule was tight and I wasn't like getting out of it because Valentina she didn't want to let me go yeah it, it's funny because our characters are very similar in a way they both uh in a sense overcome adversity to become bad bitches oh my god I can't actually because um we're recording this a little bit earlier than we're going to publish it and um I just uh, gave uh, Amazon my book copy for the ebook pre-order and I, I finally can like, I mean, I can't rest because I have to format the paperback. <laughs> I am going to start, I have your book, Morally Decadent. I have The Boy on the Bridge. I have Relentless to read and I have another author that I promised Ooh, you have your, um, your pack. to read. <laughs> Like I have, I have a list to read, but um, since you say, and actually, like I really wanted to, because I've been with you, uh, like in the process. Oh yeah, while I was writing it, and I was giving you updates. <laughs> yeah, and I really want to know, like exactly. Oh my god, like, and everyone is saying. I mean, not everyone, but you're saying, like, when you read Obsessed, you felt like Valentina and Allegra, right? Yes, they have a lot like, in common. Yeah, and I'm like, I like that. I like girls like Valentina. So, and actually, no, that's a lie. Because before, when I was writing Valentina in the other books, I didn't, she didn't come across that way. Once I got into her head, that's when I understood her. Oh, yes. And that's the same thing with your book, right? Be because everyone hated Allegra before. Oh, yeah. I I'm not going to say much about that because... Uh... This is, again, one of the reasons why I'm writing in first-person point of view for this series, because it's all about uh, a play on expectations and mm -hmm. uh, how some people see you, but then it's not the same once you're in that person's shoes. That's the same thing I did. Like With Wanted, it was actually, for me, um, Camila was already the person that she is in her book. In yeah, the, and everyone loves her in the first book as well. Yeah, everyone expected her to be the way she was. But when you go into Obsessed, you think, oh, my God, this is going, she's going to be a whore. She's going to be so evil. And she probably, like, did, who knows what she did to get to the prince. And then you actually get to the story. And actually, I feel sorry for her haters. Oh my because God. after this book, I don't know what people, what arguments people will have to hate her. But anyways, so now that we've spoken about our favorite heroines or our most fun, write, yeah. like the most fun we've had while writing a heroine, let's talk about how fun it is to be in the indie community. <laughs> what is your reaction so far? How welcome do you feel? So the, I probably should start by saying that I had no idea there was like, a community per se so I published my first book and I had no idea what I was getting myself into like literally I didn't know there was a Facebook community uh, I was barely online on Instagram so I, I had absolutely no clue about anything that went in and once I started to become more kind of involved in on Facebook on Instagram and I started befriending more people on on Facebook and uh, being in more groups like reader focus groups offer focus groups then I realized that it's such a huge thing like 
literally blew my mind. But uh, on the how welcome I feel, to be honest, I haven't interacted with that many people. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, that's that, that's an entirely different story to mine because I was a book blogger beforehand. And before that... Like, I started book blogging at the end of 2019. It was because I had read um, a person that we're not going to mention because she's a bully. Um, <laughs> I, I read her books and I felt like, oh, my God, she's releasing her new book in February and everyone is getting ARCs. What are ARCs? Oh, my God, I need to learn what ARCs are. So I learned what ARCs were and then I signed up for one. In the end, I didn't get one because she's very picky with her arcs. And um, I got into book blogging. I, I signed up. I'm, I'm telling you, if you look into my calendar from last year, January to March, every single day I was promoting five different books. Oh, wow. And I had an arc every other day. Sometimes I had multiple arcs in a day. And um, before I, I got into my, um, uh, my, my book blogging, I was actually sheltered in my Wattpad community. Mm -hmm. That was like back in 2018 or something. And um, wait, 2016 to 18. And that's when I had no idea there was a community. If I had known back then that there was a community online of indie publishers indie fans, Facebook, dark net groups, you know, the, the, the stuff they share there. I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> um, if I had known that existed, I would have like connected earlier, but I had no idea the community existed. I knew though that there was this option of self-publishing. It's just that because I'm from Germany, um, it's like the bureaucracy here is so horrible regarding, I mean, it's not horrible. It's just that it's not, they don't make it easy for you to publish something mm -hmm. if you want to publish something. So that's why like I, I printed my first book in 2012 when I was like a little kid, <laughs> I, I formatted and I had a girl from my class paint me a cover. <laughs> it looks horrible, but she painted me a cover and I printed out a book and I had a book in my hand and I was like, oh my God, I wrote this. But like, it took me 10 years to finally take the step into publishing because I had no idea we could do this, that this was like, a, a like we could make a business out of it. Yeah, true. And, and I feel like now there's more information about like there's YouTube tutorials. That's, that's what I followed. YouTube tutorials. There, there's a lot of articles talking about how to self-publish and how to do everything on your own, basically. And yes. Yeah, so and also there are a lot of like not every author, but if you meet like a couple of OGs, like older, like authors that have been around for like five years or since the early 2010s that have been self-publishing for like 10 years approximately or like five years and if you meet them and they're nice to you they actually open up and they and they share stuff with you and um my experience so far is that some are very open and very like welcoming and some others are just very distant and um, just, you know, they keep to their click, which I guess 
if you see what has been going on in the industry this past, I don't know, it's been three months now, like everyone has a has a dirty story on someone. True. And it's just it's just difficult to find out who you can trust. Like and then you get like who can you like because there's a lot of people in this industry and you don't know if somebody is lying to you or if you just like talk to someone and then they're going to try to use it against you or something like that exactly exactly because it's so easy to cancel people and sometimes make no mistake some people deserve the canceling but it's not always the case and um it's just difficult and i personally feel welcomed but only because i don't keep a big circle like i knew some people were supporting me from the start And some others just once they they showed their true color, like I just removed myself from from that circle. Like, I was like, I don't care. Like if you don't want me to succeed, I don't care. I don't need you. I mean, not that I'm super successful or anything, but it's just that I'm not gonna force anyone to support me. Yeah, you know? exactly. So that's that's what I'm going. That's what I feel like for about about the indie community like it can be very good it can be very toxic at the yeah, same time honestly but. that's why i like to keep to myself most of the time because i don't want to be involved in drama even though i don't know how but like trouble finds me anyway <laughs> it's like i try my best to stay clear of anything that happens and it still finds me so yeah but still i i don't like to be involved in conflict so that's why i don't interact with many people and i mm. i see the the negatives and the things that can happen and i'm like i'm i'm better off by myself and the thing is the negative stuff i have had the luck not to be directly involved i wanted to over the summer i'm telling you i had so many like tweets not tweets i had so many posts ready i made stories i i shot so many <laughs> subliminal shots at people but i never i was like i'm not going to get into it because if i really want to publish a book i need to be neutral exactly yeah this. yeah that's a good attitude. because it yeah like i remember from my wattpad days because i have screenshots of everything like everyone does and i remember like how i reacted back then when people were hating on me and i was like nope You're not going to honey people or like try to lecture people. You're just gonna be chill about this, and <laughs> you're gonna like keep out. Like that's that's an that's a valuable advice I got from some from a very beloved author of mine. Like keep it neutral, keep out of it. Like you can't speak out about things. Just do it the right way. Don't don't sound hateful or like you're lecturing yeah, people definitely. because at the end, who am I? you know so um yeah i i got the other end of the stick i tried to stay out of it but it still found me but i do agree that i i think you should separate kind of like your personal persona and your offer persona in what you post online yeah and never get involved in like politics or stuff that doesn't involve you <laughs> I have like a book blogger account and an author account and I'm very active on my book blogger account. I've dialed it down over the summer, but um I still like 
keep it like I still reveal stuff about myself, but on my author account, I I choose to keep it low key because nobody wants to be spammed exactly. yeah. by people. So I'm just going. I'm just keeping it very very quiet over there. But um, let's now we we've discussed plagiarism a bit, but do you want to talk a little bit about the recent? Um, issues we've had in the community with plagiarism with people like being caught copying entire sentences and then others just saying it's it's just a sentence 10,000 people have the same sentence yeah. it's not a problem to be honest I think what bothers me the most is the mindset and because I, I had basically a similar issue, right? And uh, the person that I talked to told me that it's the indie community. We can't help but share the same things. And I'm like, so it, because other people do it, you have to do it too, right? So this is what people who are coming to the defense of people who are copying things are saying, oh, but other people are doing the same things, but in other words or something like that. Because if it's yes. not still plagiarism. So because we're defending those people and because we're we're not exactly defending all the, the people, but also plagiarism in itself, we're just perpetuating this idea that we have no originality in the indie community, right? So just because we're indie, we can copy each other and it's okay. And that that's that's kind of like a disgusting mindset. Like I mean, obviously like in the business on the business side of things, it pays if you have the same title as somebody else, if you use the same image as somebody else, if you use words in your title that are famous for that are like not hashtagable, but like what's it called? The keywords yeah, yeah. on Amazon. If you if you catch things like that, I get that is yeah, but the thing is it doesn't end there. Most people that have similar titles, similar images, usually maybe not of usually they their stories are so like lacking originality that you could be reading somebody else's work and you never know. I definitely think it's a mindset problem. And uh, again, because there are so many works that are being put out there, it's very hard to keep track when you have similar ideas, right? It's very hard to keep track if there's actually plagiarism or it's just like a trope, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. But yes. at the same time, because people excuse the type of behavior that like we encountered a few months ago, I think that's, that's the root of the problem when people make excuses for that type of thing. And when the people that plagiarize make the excuses themselves, because mm -hmm. if it is your name on a project, you want to make sure that everything, especially because we are indie, you know, we're independent. You will never have as much freedom exactly. as you yeah. have when you are independent. We check every single detail, every single word that comes out of my um, keyboard <laughs> is vetted by me. And... Um, I don't know how other like in the indie community you don't have an excuse 
And it's just, it was, it was depressing, but that wasn't the only thing that was depressing in the last couple of months. We've had a, a row of bullying accusations. And um, honestly, I wasn't surprised because I have been seeing how shitty this industry is as a book Yeah, blogger. and I think once you're behind the scenes for long enough, like in my case, as you said, it's been five months since November, right? And I've only been on like the community side for maybe like three months. Uh, and it's already like mm-hmm. happened in a way, so to say. So you 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 got into it like I think we released in November and it started like actually it started in September a bit but like the big waves in December yeah December, yeah so when you're kind of behind the scenes uh, you start believing the accusations just because you see how other offers behave behind the scenes so it's not that far fetched yes it isn't far fetched at all and honestly like and and when people especially when people have proof that's like you know we're not like who are we to judge but if there is proof and we see a pattern in your behavior honey <laughs> honey i'm sorry i don't i don't mean to sound so arrogant but then like it's it's easier to believe that that your nest is a little dirty i don't know is that a, is that a saying how do you say it in i have no idea because that's a Greek saying, like, um, that's, um, I don't even know if I said it right the Greek <laughs> way. But um, they, they say in Greek, in Greece, that, like, you know, your, your bird nest is dirty. So there's something there, honey. And um, I wasn't surprised. And honestly, you just have to do your own research. <laughs> But the thing that is, like, most uh, upsetting sometimes is that people, like, honestly, I don't wish anyone for anyone to be canceled. But there is just, uh, and I don't want to get too deep into it because then then it sounds like we're just, you know, hating on people. But, like, when you when you support people that are haters, that are bullies, it's just disheartening to people that really, really work hard to not copy other people that stay out of other people's ways yeah and and it sort of becomes a game of who has the most followers and kind of like the strongest yeah the strongest crowd that's going to support you no matter what and that kind of gives the strength and the motivation to some people to continue to bully others because they think they won't be able to be uh, held accountable and they Basically, they'll support them no matter what. And I think you said that. When did you say that about like, and if you stand up for yourself, if you're being bullied, that we had that over over the winter, that people that were being bullied and that stood up for themselves. Cloud chasing, yeah. Like cloud chasing, like because, you know, oh, you're trying to become famous. Oh, you're a hater. Exactly. If you're trying to stand up for yourself, then suddenly it becomes this whole thing that you're uh, trying to create drama, you're trying to basically get your name out there. Uh, I, I, I don't know why we're doing this, because we have irrefutable proof in some cases, and we're still choosing to believe the bully instead of the victim. But I do feel that because it's the indie community and because everyone 
does it themselves in a way, right? I, I do feel that there's this type of power rush and there are some people that because they feel they have this power because of their following, then they start not caring about being a human being. And they just think that everything will go for them. I I am like speechless. <laughs> you said exactly what I've been thinking. Like, yeah, people think that because they have followers, yeah, yeah, that that is so true. And it's just it's just a it's just a sign of the times. Like uh, our genius super daddy <laughs> Harry Styles said. I'm sorry. Am I allowed to call Harry Styles a daddy? Will he sue me for this? I hope he doesn't. I say this with the uttermost respect. Um, yeah, it's a sign of the times that, and then that people cloud chase. Obviously, some people will cloud chase, and some people really do cloud chase. But um, most of the time, like where, like I, when I was writing horrible stuff on Wattpad, horrible by horrible, I mean very stuff that Amazon <laughs> would definitely ban me for. Um, I got like deleted and I got removed from my platform and I from one day to the other March 1st 2018 I had no platform anymore I was gone and these people they do so much damage they claim and in many ways it just uh, it just the bubble that you have when you get into this world of indie publishing you have this little bubble of expectations, yeah, right? And and when you get into it, you're like rolling around in your bubble. <laughs> that when two bubbles word, interact right? and then your your bubble suddenly bursts, then you realize how yeah. everything is outside your bubble. And I don't know, some some people don't don't withstand that crush. I've had I've had um because I've been talking to a lot of authors over over the year, last year, even before I even considered publishing myself. Um, because I never really thought that I was going to publish. It just happened over Corona. Like, I thought, I, I'm at home all the time. Let's do something productive. So, yeah. And I had a lot of conversations with people that they they were seemingly very, like, down to earth. But when they actually published and they didn't get the reaction they wanted, they disappeared. Friend, it's a marathon. Exactly, exactly. And people forget that very often. And then they they, they think, oh my God, it didn't work out and didn't do that. Like, And if you, if you come out the gate and you immediately do the best numbers ever, it can yeah. only go downhill from there to be honest with you like or it, okay let's not be negative let's not be negative nellies about it but honestly you can it can it can be taken away from you like amazon facebook instagram you don't own these platforms some other people do and if they don't like you they can remove they can yeah, remove you doing the increased censorship it's something to consider for the future yeah, because lots like especially our genre, 
we rely on like erotica and like sex and everything and sex sells and nudity and crazy quotes and i've begun censoring myself like ever since this new wave of facebook censoring came out i haven't been able to promote my new book the way i wanted to like i keep promoting my first <laughs> book because my most recent book i had chosen like the weirdest images and like the weirdest quotes but I can't really use that anymore because we're like being banned uh, all of a sudden. I mean, I haven't been banned in my new uh, just, <laughs> just yet, but <laughs> yeah, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to keep it uh, very low key uh, with the banned stuff because I've been banned before and it's not a nice. Yeah, same. I'm trying that. not to post too many things, racy things. <laughs> So speaking of racy, in our chats, which are very lengthy, and I think <laughs> we could write a book like with our chat, like this is the scandal, the most scandalous <laughs> book you'll ever read, our chat. Um, there is so much tea that people oh should be jealous. So tell me, you have a very spicy stance on dark romance as a genre. Yes, I, I do, actually. <laughs> Uh, I, I think that nowadays, uh, dark erotica and dark romance are basically the same thing for a lot of people. And they're not. Yes. They <laughs> I, I think not. we're forgetting what's at the kind of like the foundation of romance and it is to have a happily ever after, right? And uh, a lot of uh, things that are coming out now, I I'm not saying this in a way to criticize or anything. I'm just saying about mislabeling stuff. Because if romance, mm -hmm. even dark romance, so it's still romance, it relies on a happily ever after. You, you can't have yes. that when uh, there's no romance. And the leads are not connecting yes. on another level than sexual. And you can't have that when you have 100% abuse in the book and then suddenly they decide to stay together. Like, I, I, I don't know, at least for me, that's not a happily ever after. <laughs> They're going to cancel us on the, uh, on the Facebook group. I can, if, if somebody listens to this and they are like infiltrated in that group, they're going to cancel I ha us. I have no like, problem oh with, with reading 100% abuse, but just don't call it dark romance. Please just call it dark erotica or like dark thrillers. Whatever you want, don't call it romance because that's not romance never like these days they never like they've stopped saying dark erotica like it used to be such a huge thing like captive in the dark consequences like the old pepper winter stories like um people used to like this used to be a thing but now everything is like dark romance and i think dark romance like a, a truly by carmel rose yes. which we both love yeah. is dark romance but what I don't want to bully anybody, so I don't want to hate on anybody, so I'm not going to give an example of what it is not dark romance. I, I would say basically, uh, so my own thing is that I, I, I couldn't even give you an example because I don't read those things knowing what's inside. And I'm like, well, if it's marketed as dark romance and I'm not getting a happily ever after, then I'm not going to read this romance. But... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do think that yeah. nowadays, because uh, I think the darkness level has to be increased every single time, 
uh, we have too much shock value. And yes. that I think that yes. is the thing that detracts the most from uh, kind of like the romantic side of it, right? So I, I, I don't know, but uh, there are some things, some questionable things that, okay, yeah, dark erotica, perfect. Dark romance, no, please. <laughs> I feel like with our labeling, with what we labeled our books, I get so much feedback where people say like, there isn't enough sex in this. Well, I didn't, I didn't say this was going to be a dark erotic book. This is a dark romance because it is set in a very, very nasty setting in a nasty world. But in itself, it exactly, is a dark exactly. romance. And people, like, forget about that. And I'm currently trying to write a dark erotica book, and it's an entirely different story. The approach to it is different. I used to write dark erotica. Now I write dark romance. And it's just that some... But it's also it's some people, because the majority of people will understand that, because they know they're readers. They're, like, well Yeah, I, I think the rule of readers. thumb uh, should be if you take out the sex, is it still a romance? Like, is, it st is there still plot? Then it's a dark romance. Mm -hmm. If you yes, take it out yes, and uh, you have nothing for your story, then it's not. Like, I, I wouldn't even know, like, now that we're discussing it. But, no, actually, with my books... The, actually, the sex scenes in my, in, especially in Exposed, they don't mean much. <laughs> they were just, they were just a product of my Wattpad times when I was, when I was like, I have to shock my readers. Like I was, I was sitting on my phone because I, I told you I wrote, I wrote Wattpad on my phone, and I was writing the nastiest stuff to get out every <laughs> single day unedited nothing like I had to like my editor I was like I felt very complimented when my editor got my book in October and she was like actually for a book of 100k words there, there are no major problems here I was like yes 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 I edited it so nicely that she didn't realize that this was a Wattpad story and um yeah so I think I think we can we can start wrapping it up and um, tell let's talk about let's talk a little bit about our future projects our whips since we're the kinky koala club let's leash out let's unleash oh. the whips I think I'm going to keep that as a oh segment. yeah that sounds nice <laughs> tell me what is your whip or your non-whip? Yes, I am currently on a break. Although after release week, I might start writing again. But yeah, Vlad's book is next. And that one I am particularly dreading because it's going to be really dark. And it's, and it's going to be really long too. <laughs> and this is considering the fact that Morally Decadent was almost 140k words. So that was a lot. And I set out for it to be around 90k words. So I went over with 50k words. I was like, oh my God, this is going to be my shortest book yet. It's going to be so easy to write. Yep, that, that didn't happen. So I'm a bit yes. scared because I know that there's a lot in this story. So I have it all plotted. And I know it's going to be a lot in this story. But if I say it's going to be really long, then is it going to get much longer than that? when I actually do it. I'm a bit afraid of that. Oh, God.
So how when when are you looking for a release with that approximately? Do you do you have a clue? So, or are you still oh, like what I like to do is I like to set a release date when I finish the manuscript. Like when I finish the manuscript, I can kind of calculate calculate the time it would take me for the edits, for proofreading, for sending out arcs, for doing everything. So uh, that's exactly when I do it mm -hmm. because I don't, I, I'm very deadline shy in a, in a sense. I don't like to miss deadlines. Mm -hmm. And I know that if I impose a deadline on myself, like let's say I'm going to publish it in May, then I'm going to be like really wretched the whole time. I'm going to think about the deadline and I'm not going to think about like just like writing the best i'm actually the exact opposite from you because i i mean obviously i have my stories already a bit like most of them are written that i want to release especially like with uh, katandia and um wraith royals but um i uh once i got my amazon author account i said oh my god yes my pre-orders <laughs> from november to april like i had my pre-orders ready especially i mean my april book was already written like it was written like a year ago um obsessed was written in october to november and wanted was like um it was like written until like the last 30k words and then i finished the last words in december and january and um Honestly, I am the I'm I'm the type that when I like when I like something that's like actually, you know, when I like something, I like working towards a deadline because I know that if I put it up on Amazon, I can't change it. Oh, I because see I'm the type of person that I don't really like changing stuff. I like like if I set it, if I set it up, then I feel obligated to do it then and it it'll get done. Because if I don't, I will not be motivated to do it. Right now, uh, my last pre-order is uh, for April, and I haven't set up a new pre-order for my next books. I'm, I'm, I have ideas. Like I know what what's next and what's going to be my summer, like my summer schedule. But I haven't yet put out my pre-orders because I'm scared because there are two new books <laughs> that I haven't written yet. And they're both like on Goodreads already. One is called Goodbye, Mr. Winters, which will be about Mr. Winters, um, who is an integral part of uh, the new world of Katandia after um, the original king. Um, no spoilers, I'm not going <laughs> to say nothing uh, concerning that. We don't want people to. Uh, know the plots before they go in but yeah so he's uh he's an older man not too old he's like in his 50s and he's the new security advisor to the queen and uh, we follow him as he struggles with um his new workload and uh, with you know i don't want to get too much into detail about who his uh, love interest will be but it's it's sort of an age gap. It's Ooh, like a twenty nice. year age gap, but it's not like. But he's in his fifties. Yeah, it's not that so, scandalous, you know. It's not that scandalous. Although there's a little bit of like you know, it's not really daddy play, but it's like a bit, you know, they, they they're okay. Kinky. They're a bit kinky, but it's normal. It's normal there. So it's always kinky. 
it's normal there. So that's like that book. And then if if I started, because I have it plotted out, the idea came to me in uh, October when I was uh, when I was watching um, Kingdom with uh, one of my uber favorite people ever, uh, Frank Grillo. Um, that was a, a story that inspired me. It's not about MMA or anything. It's about something completely different, but I'm keeping it a secret what it's going to be about. Um, it doesn't have an official title on Goodreads yet, so I'm not going to uh, put it out. But it's Ooh. it's an erotic revenge, and it's going to start in Florida. And I really want to, like, I'm going to, I have some people in mind, but I'm going to start asking people, like, I'm going to do a little research in Florida because... It is a beautiful state, and I really want to get it right. And my story will be somewhere um, around uh, the Disneyland, uh, not Disneyland. I don't know what is it, what is what it's called, but in Orlando, it's going to be in that area. So that is my future um, for the summer, but it might change. I haven't like put it. I haven't like. Uploaded it on Amazon. The moment it goes to Amazon, that's when it's going to be official. I think I'm going to release uh, morally ambiguous before summer, so that would be hopefully before June, depending on how it goes with writing it. So hope it's not too long. But if all goes well, mm -hmm. then uh, I have so I have half of it written of the first book in the paranormal series I was talking about. So the first book I have the almost the entire mm -hmm. series mapped out. So <laughs> I just have to get to writing. And I also mm -hmm. have the cover for the first one. So that's exciting too. I have the covers as well. They're looking at me. I have them on the wall. I print them out. And that's like visual. That's what's it Manifestation? called? Manifestation? Visualizing. <laughs> that's manifest. Manifestation, exactly. I had, I had exposed, wanted and obsessed. I've had the covers for that since um, November. And recently I added my April book, which we haven't talked about at all, but it's it's fine. I have I have future we will we'll do this again, so we'll talk about that stuff. Because we're both mafia writers in a way, so we should we should probably focus on mafia one. And, oh and yeah, I, I should say that I do have another novella planned after Vlad's book that I already uh, wrote the title on the website. Uh, and I in the beginning, I wanted to do it in between uh, morally decadent and morally ambiguous, but then I decided it would be better to do it after morally ambiguous. And it's going to be about the character that uh, you meet and hate in morally decadent. I, I, I love doing this. Uh, characters that you hate in one book but then you start loving in another book and yeah and that should also oh, serve for yeah. uh, as a prequel to a duet that I have planned in the same universe as the morally questionable series uh -huh. uh, but it's about the Gera brothers and that one it's already up on Goodreads so I have the titles for that oh and I should take a I should it's say that the titles are yeah, in Italian. I should say what they mean. So, of course, the the yes. duet is going to be called uh, Arte della Guerra and the art of war, basically, because guerra, guerra is war. And then wow. uh, the first one is Guerra in Computa, which is unfinished war. And then the second is Guerra Eterna, which is uh, eternal war. Yeah. Eternal 
Oh my god, I love it. I love it already. Um oh gosh, now I have to I have to get into it again and we we should Yeah, talk we about should do that. Yes. Podcast. Definitely. We should. First, Veronica, tell us where people can reach you. Oh, yes. So, on Instagram at uh, offer Veronica Lancet. Facebook is the name Veronica Lancet and uh, well on Goodreads you can just search Morally Corrupt <laughs> and that should come up. And you can find me at author Arabella Black on Instagram and on Facebook I'm also Arabella Black and you can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple, everywhere you get your podcasts and you can find us at the Kinky Koala Club on Instagram and on Facebook. So if you want us to cover a topic, if you want me to invite an author to join me on this podcast, message me about it, like the pages, follow the pages, interact with me. I do not <laughs> bite unless you ask for it. This is it. This was the first podcast. We're like over we we wanted to do this in like an hour, but we're like already going over it <laughs> and oh my god yeah i've never been on a podcast before so i guess <laughs> this is for me actually this is the second podcast i'm ever doing i've been listening to podcasts for like years but um i had to do a podcast for um university the other day and we just made up fake things like i pretended i'm arabella black which is obviously my actual um name for like my author stuff but um we pretended and she pretended like my partner pretended to be a, a a fake author and we like discussed dystopia novels and all that so that was kind of fun and i see that it's 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 an entertaining thing and i've been doing my my interviews for like four months now on my website so i thought why not why not cross over to audio uh, to audio <laughs> so yes so let's close it up tell me your favorite eurovision country favorite eurovision country oh my god who has the most consistent hits and if you say russia you're cheating <laughs> <laughs> okay wait 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 let me let me think about that um <laughs> I've liked so I I can't name any off the top of my head, but I've liked quite a few Albanian ones. Oh yes, Albania, Albania is is recently very very hot. Yeah, they have really nice because they mix their traditional music with kind of like contemporary music, so it it's really nice. I like from like actually the entire i don't want to brag but the entire mediterranean block greece and previously was turkey too but turkey is out so greece albania bulgaria is very hot like if bulgaria oh, like Moldova with the epic sex guy oh my god yes he is epic <laughs> he is epic and the, uh, oh mama yes that's the same guy yeah, uh, it was two years ago with the the new one. That was really good too. That was that was great. Uh, 
So, like, my favorite country would be um, obviously Greece, but I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that person. I would probably be like more modern and say Italy, because I want Italy to win so that I can go to Eurovision again. <laughs> but yeah, so that oh, was. True. Yes, do you want to? That, that, that would be nice to go to Eurovision, but let's hope the world is going to be in a much better place when that happens. You ended me right now. I was <laughs> I was going to say something um like, oh my God, and Eurovision and stuff. And you went and, ma and made like this, this grand message. How am I going to finish this podcast now? <laughs> like, you trumped me. Well, let's just hope we can get, get out of the house. <laughs> yes, sometime, sometime soon. Anyways, I wish you well. I mean, we, we talk to each other every day, so there is no wishing well. So, we'll, talk after. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss this later. This was the Kinky Koala Club, your new favorite romance podcast. I was here with Veronica Lancet, and I'm your host, Arabella Black. Veronica will return for a podcast on mafia and our new Yay. mafia books. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, bring your own koala next time. Yeah. Bye.